For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey, good day and welcome to the Pod Pod. It's Holmesy here, uh, back for another edition of the Holmes Files. Got a, a very special guest on today. I, I wanted to kind of get out of our little classic bubble and really deep dive with someone that, you know, sees the game from a, a bit of a different angle with, uh, you know, the, the industry that they're in with the draft sense. And I had a look and unfortunately Cam wasn't available. I looked at the top 40 most influential uh, social media fantasy coaches, and uh, yeah, he's not interested. But I've I've gone one one level down. I've got Stevie Fizz here, mate. How are you going? I'm doing good. I'm a little bit. I feel like I need to do a workout after that intro. It's like an '80s montage. I'm like, let's lift some weights or something. Yeah, it does pump you up, and we never used to get to listen to it before. Dossie would just put it in post production, but uh, it's good now. It pumps us up a bit. So. For those of you that don't know, you might not know Stevie Fizz because at the Draft Doctors, they absolutely hate new listeners and they do everything they can to ensure that we, you know, the 69 of us that originally were listening back in the day stay loyal. Uh, why don't you just introduce yourself a bit and, and let our listeners know who you are? Yeah, so my name's Steve. Obviously, uh run the Draft Doctors over there. Stater was telling me before we're coming into our 10th calendar year of running. Uh, so been playing fantasy sports since forever, like, most of us uh, and most of your guests started being interested in American fantasy sports originally. I was a baseballer, uh, played base fantasy baseball to start, and um, yeah, got into footy. Um, still play fantasy football, but tried fantasy NBA and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, love the draft format and, and all the variations it can bring, and battle my way through season after season of classic on the side. But don't tell anyone. Yeah, mate. Look, we know you secretly love classic. It's it's no it is no secret. But have you ever actually have you had much success with classic before, or you purely just draft? I'm not uh, probably not really uh, because I always sort of forget about it. I did have I was going through it. I'm, in Supercoach, I came like 500 one year, and in AFL Classic, I came like 550 one year. So that's but I always just forget to do my team, and uh, I'm just terrible at it. With dra- draft, so much more forgiving. Yeah, yeah, no, it can be, it can be a bit much. So I, I thought we'd start with, um, you know, maybe trying to link your talents with draft doctors and finding players with value into the classic realm. I've, I've listened to you a lot over the years, and I kind of get stuck in this mindset where I'm listening to you guys talk, and you're talking about all these players with value, but you know whether that's value because in a draft sense you can, you can pick them up on the bench really late, and potentially they become rosterable. Whereas we know in classic, if you're picking those players and, and they don't really improve or or they don't go as well as first anticipated, then that can put you in a in a really big hole. So, what are you looking at for value when you're when you're deep diving in draft in these players that we might not look at as much in classic? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. Uh, just draft lets you make so many mistakes. Really, um, say you're playing with a, with a five man forward line. Well, 
instead of choosing the key forward who will battle along and give you, you know, let's say the F35 value, you, you're looking at picking this year maybe your Bailey Humphrey, your Philippou, your whoever can get that midfield time or we know the halfback role is kind of in vogue. Whoever's not going to be playing in the forward line, that's who we want. But I think we talk in absolutes so much in fantasy football, but really we don't know a hell of a lot. And just because something happens in the preseason doesn't mean it doesn't change round one. So I think that's uh, certainly the attraction of draft is you can just take those shots on players and if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, well, you just go grab another player. I was in classic. If you're doing that, you, you, you've lost. Do you find that you take a punt on these players in classic more than some other coaches would because you're in that sort of draft mindset? Uh, maybe, maybe. It's it's an interesting one. I sort of thought about that. I think I choose players with low upside uh, for bench roles. Like say, I know the key back's playing, so I'll pick him, but he doesn't generate any cash. Um, I, know, I will probably choose mid-prices who won't rise just because I love watching the player. Uh, so I'm pretty bad at that. I'll go to the top of the tree at the guy who has no value. There's so much we learn every year, right? Like we're always always learning like let's say bond you you start with bond and he averages 114 or 112 or whatever so he drops five points well that's not going to kill you in draft you can still captain him every single week but in classic you're losing money or whatever and maybe that's a bad pick yeah yeah well other coaches get him slightly cheaper later on down the year and we know it's a a value-based game um so i've spoken to dossie a little bit over the years unfortunately. And he likes to tell me that, you know, the the data that you look at is is pretty intense. You're you're looking at a lot of the stuff that potentially us as more well, not casual coaches, but some of us that don't have a lot of time aren't really looking there. What's the sort of data that you're you're deep diving in to to look and analyze at these players? So probably so we, obviously we started the CBAs a few years ago. That was pretty cool, but worthless. I, I really well yeah, worthless. <laughs> I really Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, we'll talk. I was looking at uh, a couple of years ago, we started looking at um, market share. And I think other people are starting to look at that from a fantasy points perspective. But I like looking at it from a team perspective, say, if they're doing X, the team lays X amount of tackles or takes X amount of marks. If a player's taking too much of a percentage out of that, then they're likely to regress. And just and that doesn't always mean the fantasy points line up. If we look at last year, Sam Berry was a, a popular name. I was not interested in Sam Berry. He just had too many tackles, like for what he was what he was doing in, within the team structure, and and that and he wasn't even in the team later on. But he wasn't performing particularly well when he was in the team. And I think it's those sort of things you got to look at. Like what's there's only so many possessions that are available. Like if you and if you look at the best fantasy scorers, they're doing something that's completely out of the realm of what you could predict. Like it, it's yeah, especially yeah, uncontestable. The, yeah, the market share one's interesting. I'll admit I've kind of looked into it a little bit more over the last sort of season and a bit, and I found that it's it's quite good at highlighting when a player, like you said, is doing something out of the norm, um, and you know predict, predicting maybe a little bit of a regression if they can't keep it up. But it's not terribly good at highlighting the sort of breakouts and finding those underpriced players because who really knows where they can get to. So I think we still have a lot to play out with this whole market share, but 
it's very it's very popular in the states with your your sports like basketball and stuff but we know basketball only really has what five players on a court at the time the, the teams are much smaller there's far less variables going on um, compared with AFL which has you know 22 23 players and it's played over such a, a big big amount of time so so on that then I've I listened to your solo pod, the one that you said that no one would listen to and it turned out to be your highest rating show of all time. Where have you been putting your time and effort this year in terms of um, analysing your stats? Yeah, so probably this year we've really moved into how the team plays, I guess i say. So really focusing on how many ruck contests there are or stoppages, whatever you want to call it, and the ball movement of teams, so how metres per disposal, it's probably a pretty, maybe it's useful, maybe it's not, but I think it tells us something. So if, you're, if you've got a lot of stoppages, the midfield is going to be concentrated around the stoppage. So if there's more of them, theoretically, there's more midfield points in this year. This year you saw the Bulldogs go from, say, mid-table up, to, oh, sorry, from 2022 went from mid-table to this year where or last year where they were, uh, I think just below Adelaide in, in second, and reduced that midfield group. And you saw Bont had a massive season. Tim English was the best scorer. Um, Tom Liberatore had a just a fantastic season. But on the flip side, like the halfbacks, they were okay, but they weren't really what you'd call top fifteen sort of options. Whereas on the flip side, you look at some of these teams that have low meters. Uh, per disposal, like this. and then generally the battlers, although St Kilda was in there, um, and that's where a lot of our good defenders are coming from. Conversely, the high meters per disposal team, uh, the midfielders, even in a concentrated group, are often kind of battling um, to to really push those say one ten scores that you might be looking for in your classic formats. But the halfbacks are, are still able to do pretty well. Yeah, so I suppose putting a team on that, would that be kind of like the the old Richmond model where it was pretty much run and gun, get the ball long, keep the ball chaos moving? And, you know, we saw the Jaden Shorts, Batcher Hoolies kind of feast a little bit off the halfback, but the midfielders kind of struggled because the ball was just always in motion. Yeah, that's that's kind of right. And, and look, there's always going to be outliers. Like if you looked at GWS, that's kind of how they went. Really tight midfield group, but Tom Green was still really pushing that 110. Uh, average so there's no absolutes but yeah that that is the same sort of model so if you're looking at like I love Lockie Whitfield this year obviously his second half was really big people spoken about it but I like I think he's a lock to be a, a top five defender yeah right can you pick him with that early buy can you put your classic hat on and decide about the buys <laughs> yeah that's the great question there's uh, there's so many of the good players I like this year that have that early buy so he's in there at the minute but he probably won't be when the the whips are cracking mate Stato won't like that he won't like that at all picking a player that Always. has the early buy the so-called buy buy round expert yeah, it's interesting. I've been listening to all your guys' pods, so I'm trying. To, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to get a bit better. And yeah, he's all about that avoidance of the early buy. So yeah, yeah, I, I still think there's a little bit to to play out there. So all right, let's start with the the defenders then. So going off what you've kind of figured out or what you're researching with the the low stoppage teams, the defenders, the high scoring defenders are coming from the teams that have low stoppages. So and low meters gain so they're the ones that are chipping it around in the back half um, and, yeah. and not really moving forward with it and not having any stoppages right yeah that's right yeah 
So on those on those metrics, who are you kind of looking at this year in terms of players that we might be able to look at for Classic? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think um, a lot of them are kind of already there, to, to be honest. There wasn't a lot of like, you know, what's the easiest thing to look at when you're talking about um, breakout players and so forth? It's player movement. Well, not many of the good players move clubs, if we're being perfectly honest. Um, and it's also about having a look at, what players like is is there going to be a change of game plan? So I think um, you know Will Power, someone we like, and we expect them to be a higher, you know, that to fall into that lower stoppage, probably Richmond model. Um, but like I said, Lockie Whitfield, um, Lockie Ash, pretty good, but he's sort of a mid price thing. I, I'll mostly be, yeah, I'm not sure what my team is. I should bring up my team actually. I have let's, got one. Let's do that actually. That'll be a, so a got, good exercise. I mean, there's, I don't think any of these guys really fit that bill except for Lockie Whitfield. I mean, Freeman were pretty bad, so I've got Chapman and Young in there at the minute. So yeah, they're probably I suppose it'll be ones. about sort of analysing team game plans early to see because we know teams change it up. Adelaide went from um, not being very fantasy relevant to being highly relevant last year because of their stoppage game. Uh, you know, you'd think that Frio probably have to change it up a little bit. Whether or not they have the ability to do so is a different story. Same, same with Hawthorne, but I suppose you believe that you know these these struggling clubs, although they might want to play a certain way, the talent and the ability of their list kind of dictates that when the whips start cracking and the, the games get hard, they they sort of fall back into that mould. Yeah, I think a couple of the guys who are really super interesting this year aren't even listed as defenders. So you've got Carl Amon at Hawthorne, and they made that move last year, and I think a lot has been spoken about Carl Amon already, and I don't think what Hawthorne did at the end of last year is exactly what's going to happen. But he should present as a good option. Bailey Scott, um, his second half was pretty lights out, really. Uh, again, only listed as a midfielder, but he is training in that North Melbourne defence, which has been a bit of a gold mine lately. And then you look at, like, your McCurches uh, and so forth there. So there's, there's certainly, like, North is such a hot team to watch, right? Everyone's talking about North players. Yeah, well, I mean, they've got us considering Zach Fisher, of all people, just because, <laughs> just because they've got that. That the way they play and they the way they possess the ball in that back line. But, you know, I, I'm much hotter on a Bailey Scott than a Zach Fisher. It's just unfortunate that he's mid-only and, and priced at 85 for our classic side. You know, in terms of draft, I'm, I'm more than happy to take a punt there knowing that more than likely he'll get defender status um, throughout the season. Let's look, at, let's look at St. Kilda. So St. Kilda, if we're looking at... Uh, overall fantasy points were the highest scoring team by an absolute mile. They, I think they averaged 1640 compared to the league average, which was 1540. And I think even the second highest side being Carlton potentially were around that 1580 mark. So do you think that the St. Kilda, and obviously we're just speculating, but do you think they're going to play that way again and they're going to score in that way? Or do you, do you see that they're potentially going to come back to the pack a little bit and have to change the way they play? Yeah, it's a really interesting one with St Kilda. You can know we know Ross is a pretty defensive coach, and everyone scores low against him. But I, so I find it hard to believe that they won't, especially when you look at they brought in Liam Henry, who was probably their maybe their big off season recruit, and you would expect him to be an outside player. Um, they did have some issues with their forward line, and Membry was missing a lot of time, and King was missing a lot of time. So maybe they go a bit more direct. I'm not sure on that one. That's an interesting one. I'm, I, I can see St Kilda going either way there. They fall back a bit or they, you know, push a bit harder. So I'm not sure on St Kilda. Yeah, because there's a there's a few relevant players. Obviously, Jack Sinclair 
um, is going to be a, a defender premium for us. But, you know, priced at 102, it's a pretty big price tag to pay. And then you've got uh, Nasiah Wangane Miller as well, who most of, well, most coaches are predicting him to just keep going on his merry way and develop. I'm, I'm still a little bit unsure. It's pretty hard to average above 90. And although he's done it in his second season, we know that fantasy is not always linear. But, I mean, if St Kilda change the way they play and, and those fantasy points start to come back down, more towards the norm, then naturally you would assume that those two players might sort of regress a little bit. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, look, I love I love Jack Sinclair. I've still got him in pretty highly in the ranks. Wanganeen Miller, I don't have him very high in the other format, but I've still got him. I still got him reasonable. I find it hard to believe they change from what they've done. And let's say they have a worse run uh, in terms of win losses. I don't think they're going to be more aggressive. Yeah, so I find it hard to believe that he, like he's a, he's a class act, man. He was I, I was all over him last year, like the player. Um, so I find it hard to go away from him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just interesting. Uh, let's go into Sicily a little bit. You've been on record saying that you believe Sicily's going to regress a little bit, potentially with Carl Amon going back there, and and the fact that Sicily's had marks that were pretty out of the normal. Is that? solely the reason why I think he's not going to go as well this year? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, they've got other young players developing as well. So I, I see that happening. The other thing that doesn't get mentioned heaps, which we've talk, we haven't talked about in fantasy circles, is Blake Hardwick's moving forward. So all the kick-ins are going to be available in that back line. So maybe there's a world. I don't see it. I'd certainly start without him um, for your classic format and hope to bring him in because I still think he finishes top six, but he probably won't be two or three. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty safe to assume or that he's going to be there thereabouts for the top six, but you know, paying a 105 price tag in classic. Maybe you can draft's not that big a deal if you've sort of got Dacos, Sicily, and um, Sinclair as the top three that are going to be a little bit further than everyone else. Maybe you don't get hurt as much, but yeah, in, in classic, if you start a player price at 105 and he drops back to you know 98, 100, then that's a failed pick. So you're going to be losing money on everyone else. So yeah, and I don't think it's out of the world that he drops, you know, low 90s. So, yeah, well, that's where uh, I mean, I see that well, right? yeah, yeah, 100%. And I know we don't, well, it came out on Twitter the other day that the with-without stats aren't the, the greatest metric, but there was it was pretty evident last year that when James, was it James Blank or Blank, whoever it was, played as fullback, Sicily was, you know, able to play as that third tall and, and release a lot more. But uh, when he didn't play, Sicily had to sort of lock down a bit more and his scoring suffered. So who knows, maybe, maybe he does have to lock down a little bit more, which could potentially affect his ceiling at times as well. Yeah, I was reading that they were going to try turn Scrimshaw into sort of a key defender. So I, there's a bit to play out there. I don't know. He's not best twenty two, surely. <laughs> surely. Who knows? Surely. Gold Coast Suns legend. Yeah. Are there any other players? That's what about like a so Carlton? Carlton were mid table stoppage team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but they they trended the other way. They trended the away from it. Yeah, they, they made that switch. So they, they really went away from it um, and became more that fastball movement, whatever you want to call it. Yep, and it showed that... High the meters game, entered, yeah. So yeah. Over, over the last five games, they were fourth for, for meters per disposal in terms of high high ranking. So Yeah, and they finished they, they unbelievably on the, way to, on the way to a prelim. So that makes it yeah pretty tough to look at a Nick Newman or you know potentially even a Doc if he if he gets defender status later on down the track. Well, I think there's a lot of players to avoid from Carlton. I know everyone's talking about Sam Walsh, but if you look at their tons scored over this period, like like and he's a 
quality player, don't get me wrong, and could finish as the top player. But there was a lot of guys who weren't doing what they were doing in the first half of the year, like your chair has dropped back a bit. And so I just, you know, I don't think it's the smash that people are talking about, put it that way. There it is. Fair enough. Steve Fizz hates Sam Walsh. We got that on the <laughs> got that on the record. What did you say? You said the other week when you were talking about if you're going to do a you suck show, and I quote, you said, "Well, we don't we don't ever miss." So there's there's not much for the the we suck show. Yeah, it's um, we're getting better. I'll put it that way. We don't go through the ranking shows. That's where we'd get crushed. But, uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the hot then we're not as spicy as we used to be. We're just getting old, old and yeah. mellow. And the ranking shows as well, you do them so early. Like I can't, you can't expect them to be perfect when you're giving out content in what December, early January with your with your rankings. Yeah, it's kind of funny that we, I mean, in a perfect world, we'd be doing two or three shows a week, and we'd be doing them probably starting now rather than finishing them and having to go through an adjustment show where we go, oh well, we'll move this guy eighty spots and that sort of thing. But it kind of is how it is. Yeah. So on that, then just before we move into the midfield, are there any other sort of players that are maybe getting a little bit of hype at the moment or teams um, that you think are probably a bad idea to look at in Classic for the defense? In in the defenders, I'll just bring up my ranks, man. I probably should have just had them here from the start. That would have made life a bit easier, wouldn't it? Um, like I said, mate, we don't of... like to prepare on this show. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. There's just guys who are kind of – like it's like Luke Ryan, right? I don't love him. Had a – but who else is there back there, right? I think he'd be a good personally if Freo keep playing the same way that they do now yeah. that Young's, yeah. Young's gone in. He, he loves getting the ball. I can't see that changing. Yeah, probably Liam Duggan's the one I'm way off compared to everyone else. Everyone seems to love Liam Duggan. I'm just I'm just not convinced, man. Kitty Coleman's probably another one. I've got him ranked in at 23. Why Don't. are you not as hot on Liam Duggan? What changes last year to this year other than extra responsibility? I just think there's more players around. Like he's just one of those. You know, there's just guys who you just don't have. Like he's just a, like Dossie hates not hates, but you know, doesn't get around Andy McGrath. He's just a guy like that for me. To sort of break out at this point, he's never been like the main guy using the ball out of defence, and he's never been established in the midfield. So he's just kind of in no man's land. I guess now he could be the main guy out of defence. He's a good player. Just not a guy I've loved for fantasy, I'll put it that way. Yep, fair enough. Kitty Coleman, you just think that there's potentially a, a more mouths to feed at Brisbane than than what we think and combined with them playing a real high stoppage game? Yeah, it's the stoppage game. That's the that's the thing for me. Um and look, if you miss like he's probably value in fan in classic, so I'll probably have him oh he's got the buy. But I don't love him in draft. Like I've got him behind Jordan Clark, who I I don't know if he's value, but I like him as a good pick. Yeah, Jordan Clark's an interesting one. Probably not enough value in classic, but with Hayden Young's ninety points going out of out of defence, maybe he becomes that that second distributor out there. But he's he's been the one that teams have often targeted with a tag too, because he he runs and he creates. Um, he's pretty important to what Freo do. Yeah, well, I mean, if I'm going to be down on Ryan, I have to kind of be in on someone else, and that's Clark. Uh, yep. and, he, and, when, and like you said, when um, Young moved out, he was really good. I think he was going at like 93 or something. So, Yep, no, nah, makes yeah. sense. Awesome. Well, let's leave the, the defenders there. Let's move into the into the midfield. So 
we're looking at high stoppages and that that makes sense adelaide were one of one of if not the highest stoppage team last year and that showed with both Laird and Dawson essentially being able to go 110 plus and the scoring not really dropping too much when Matt Crouch came in at the, the back end of the year as well. What other teams should we be looking at here with our midfielders? Well, that's kind of interesting because if you looked at, say, the end of the season, Gold Coast were a massive, massive stoppage team where they sort of been mid to high um, throughout the season. So, but again, that's not dimmer style so it's it's all the teams you'd expect it's the bulldogs it's adelaide it's brisbane sydney could be a cheeky one yep so you might get you know obviously they got Brody grundy they brought in taylor adams um north melbourne surprisingly have been up there i would expect them to to drop down a fair way but it's um yeah the top ones really stand out so yeah western bulldogs western bulldogs do kind of yo-yo if you go over the last five years Adelaide are always there, Brisbane are always there, and I'd, I'd probably expect Sydney to be there. So I think there's a bit of value in the Sydney midfield, not Goulden, but others. Yeah, so like a you you expect a Taylor Adams to slot in pretty well there. I know he's a forward, but I'm I can I kind of go back and forth with him in terms of how I'm looking at it. You know, he's he's a great option for us at the moment because the forward line's so dire. But I think in in a normal year, I'm not sure we'd be touching it. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I'll probably just look at Chad Warner. Like, I love Chad Warner. I reckon he's an absolute superstar. So, um, probably guys like him. Yeah, I mean, you've got Luke Parker as well, who who's aging now as well. But, you know, if he he only went 90 in that system last year and he was the guy, other than obviously Goulden on the outside, um, you know, it might be pretty difficult for a Taylor Adams to go at 90. Would you agree there? Uh, maybe, maybe they they might just run really heavy. Uh, they've they've brought in uh, Brody Grundy, like I said, who, and he picks up a lot of possessions for a ruck. Like they had lump of wood Tom Hickey, who sort of stood there and did nothing. Um, he won hitouts and all that, but he didn't do much around the ground. So the the ruckman's going to get more ball now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. We'll get to we'll get to the rucks in a bit. So on that, then what are what midfielders are you looking at? In your classic side of- Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I'm probably... Yeah, I'm probably actually going away from what I've just spoken about. Like, I'm looking at those teams with low disposals who, um, and the guy who's, say, the alpha dog who can win the ball on the outside. So I think Luke LDU is an absolute smash pick. I know everyone disagrees. That's fine. Um, I've got Andy Brayshaw as my number one. Again, Freeman will struggle with moving the ball. Uh, and he's someone who just runs around, does whatever the hell he wants. If Sarong becomes the tag target, that's just absolute gravy. Uh, through the midfield, again, probably guys who I sort of spoke about as being those mids who move into defense. There's just so much value. Obviously, I've got George Wardlaw, who I love this year. Um, got Ollie Wines at the minute just because he seems to present so much value as well uh, of the guys you know. And then there's probably, uh, I mean, it's it's freaking the first week of February, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's content, right? We've got to talk about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, don't to, <laughs> I don't want to dissect my team too much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't want to give away the Hilux winning team, right? 
Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. No, no, I just don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want hate mail. <laughs> Stato just like letter bombing my house. Fair enough. Uh, well, Ollie Wines is interesting because Port Adelaide completely changed up the way they played last year. They went from being, I think, top two in fantasy scoring and they were the dead last. Do you have their stoppage numbers on hand? Because it seemed from the eye that they turned away from playing a stoppage brand and being more of that, uh, you know, fast ball movement type team. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They, yeah, 100% right. They were, um, I think, sixth lowest. So they were, and and at the end of the year, it was like fourth lowest or something like that. So, yeah, 100%. And they moved the ball really fast. Like they they were the top team for meters per disposal. So, 100% right. So then, if you're hot on an Ollie Wines presenting value in terms of him moving back into the midfield, that surely can't bode well for a, a Zach Butters, Connor Rosie real breakout over 110 being that type of team and, and having such low stats. You'd think maybe one of them might have potential to do it, but I've, you know, surely both can't go above 110 and we expect Ollie Wines to get back and you expect Jason Orn Francis to develop further and, you know, there's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm probably on the I, – I, I like both the players. They're both really good players. I think one of them could get there. I don't expect them both to. The one thing Port – can do better and they've recruited to try do it is stop stop goals win more and get a higher rebound rate from when the other team gets in 50 those transition players rosie and butters they could both benefit from that i just don't see them going to that 110 level yeah it's like they're both fantastic players and they both took that midfield role and made it their own but surely you'd benefit more as a team to have them in there but having someone like an ollie wines doing more of the grunt work and then they can be more creative forward of centre, kind of like what Dusty does in terms of being more creative around goal. And if that's the case, then they're not going to be players that are, you know, 80% in the midfield and getting all these cheap stats because that's not the way Port Adelaide play. Yeah, I 100% agree. And and look, I don't want to say they can't get there. They can, but I just don't I don't see it happening. And they got, like Dan Houston's so good out of defence, man. They can really set some big attacking options up. Yeah, I actually don't mind... Dan Houston, he's burnt me a bit in the past and he, he tends to have these floor games that that kill coaches, but you know, it hasn't happened yet, but you always kind of think that he might be able to have a year where he where he breaks out and becomes a real bona fide premium because he is very good off that halfback. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. So if we're looking at Port Adelaide as being that low, um, that low stoppage team run and gun, you've got on the other end, you've got St Kilda. So, you know, us as fantasy coaches, we like to look at what players have done in the past. We look at someone like a Jack Steele who's gone, two, he had two years at 110 and then in the middle there he had a year of 120. If St Kilda are playing this more uh, low stoppage game and they've got these class users on the outside in terms of Sinclair and uh, Wangane Miller and now Henry's come in, do you are you someone that's a little colder on a Jack Steele resurgence? I am personally. I can understand why people like him, and I think he can get there. But it's, yeah, it's probably not for me. He, I like the player. He's a good player. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see when the whips are cracking round round one whether I get him in or not. But at at the moment, I, I don't have him, and he's and he's lower on my board than others. Yeah, he's the he's the player that we would have started in the past, but with all this new data coming out, it's. It's hard, like I said, this market share stuff, uh, this new stats and information that we have, it's it's kind of highlighting why we shouldn't pick these type of players and our heart says that we should because they've done it before, but 
so much is changing. So Jack Steele's an interesting one. He sits in my team at the moment, but it wouldn't surprise me if he if he only really averages low hundreds and and he isn't the dominant player that we've seen in the past just because of the way the St Kilda Footy Club play now. Well, and I also think you got to take things into perspective. Like I was talking with Stato before about say Took Miller, and that year Jack Steele went 120. Took Miller went the same. Well, Took Miller's come back to the pack as that team's really improved around him. Like you know that midfield he was playing in when he went 120. That was Hugh Greenwood. And Fiorini were the second highest, like, CBA players. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> like Doss isn't here, I can say that. So I kind of think, like, with St Kilda, like, you've got these really quality players on the outside, whereas before it was, like, Zach Jones and, like, Seb Ross. Like, they're okay, but they're, you know, they're a bit more jaggy, I think, than the quality they've got now. Yeah, I suppose you're going to really rely on his inside tackle game and, and getting the ball on the inside because when he was that dominant player, he was doing both. He was getting it on the inside, but then he was also getting out for the cheap little marks in the back line as well, which that's probably not – they probably don't want him doing that anymore. Yeah, I 100% agree, and I think that's where you really get to the top is like these big outside numbers. Like there's only so many contests. So if you're going to build big scores, it's going to be on the outside as a general rule. Yeah. Dead right. All right. Uh, so you're really big on LDU. Now, this one's interesting because your early solo pods through, say, late September, early October, you're actually a little bit hotter on Jai Simpkin and it's kind of just transformed and now you're the Jai Simpkin hater. What do you, <laughs> you, you're you really big on Wardlaw. We know that, but you don't think Jai Simpkin has scope to, to be that M2 and, and push back into the 90s? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, he's okay, right? But again, what's his trick? What, what does he do well? What does Dry Simpkin do well? Well, he's the captain, so I hope he leads well. But yeah, but Nick Nick Maxwell was the captain of a premiership team. So like, True, I think True. Tom Jonas wasn't Tom Jonas captain in playing in the twos. True, true. So uh, what does he? I don't know what he does well. He's fine, right? And he maybe presents a bit of value, but uh, I don't know what he does. I, I've been on Simpkin before, and he's fine, and he could be value, and he probably is value at what his average is. But I'm not convinced. I'll put it that way. Yeah, look, to be honest, some of the best fantasy players we've had over the journey don't really have a trick. They are, you know, they can hopefully win the ball and they butcher it and they tackle and they're not, you know, they're not uh, a target for the opposition. Think your your Rockies, Fiorini, when he's at his at his best. Uh, you know, even a Jack McRae was always he was in the midfield, but he was never like the the main guy. Team sort of just let him do what he wants because. He was good at racking the footy, but he wasn't really damaging with it. So, you know, maybe a Jai Simpkin can be that sort of M2 to LDU where LDU does a lot of the flashy stuff and the hard work and, and he can just rack the footy. But, yeah, I, I keep going up and down with him. I think North Melbourne still need that leadership in the midfield. They can't just go full youth um, because they will get pumped. But at the same time, they do probably need to move past him a little bit because he's not really going to be, you'd think, in the midfield for them when they're, you know, pushing for finals and a premiership. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure what they do from a team perspective. Like, what the hell do they do with Tyrant Thomas? And I, I just think he ought to use the class. He's got the seasons under the belt now. And if anyone's gonna be the number one scorer, like I think that's in his range of outcomes, which probably surprises people. But I think he's the sort of player where he could be the dominant CBA player in a team that doesn't move the ball, uh, and he can get enough on the outside. 
to sort of get to that level of scoring. I know the injuries and all that. I understand that, but yeah, well, I he's shown for patches that he does have the ability to be one of the best players in the comp. It's just going to be whether or not he can put it together for for a full season or a, a large enough amount of it for us in classic. I'm with you on LDU. I have him in my team. I know. I think Selby came out the other week and said that if he was playing fantasy, he wouldn't be starting LDU because he thinks that he's better in real life than he is for fantasy, uh, just with what he does. I mean, yep. I think he averaged 121 in Supercoach in that hot patch last year, showing that he's doing a lot of the inside work and, and using the ball really well, but not necessarily getting out for the cheap stuff. But yeah, I'd, I'm with you there. As I think as the season goes on with North, they're going to be on the back of a few you know, tough games and that might allow teams for him to to get a little bit of cheap ball on the outside as well, as well as doing what he does with the in the inside. Yeah, he just fits the profile we're looking for, that's all. Yeah. Do you so we'll look at the Adelaide midfield. Do you think there's value in a Matt Crouch priced at eighty, or do you think that it's still just Laird and Dawson and and he's just a bit of a role player? Oh, there's probably value. Can you can you stomach it though? This is a dude who was dropped like repeatedly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think there is. I like Matt Crouch over the years. So yeah, I like Matt Crouch as well. And I just think from a footy point of view, Jordan Dawson is so good. Like he he's unbelievable everywhere. But what do you want from Jordan Dawson? You want him getting the ball, you know, on the on the back flank or through the middle, and then delivering an inside fifty with his lethal left foot. He doesn't need to be that accumulator doing a lot of the hard work on the inside, getting it out to the outside. You you want Laird and Crouch doing that and getting it out to him. So if Crouch has a role in there, I actually think he, he can score quite well. And it showed in those last six games, it was Dawson that dropped a little bit um, because I, I think that's probably what they want from a footy point of view. Yeah, probably, yeah. Like, and he, if you wanted to pivot off wines, like he's probably a great pick. Interesting. All right, so let's just finish off with the the rucks. So how are you seeing the rucks this year? It seems like we've got maybe three value options that are potentially smash plays, and I don't think we want to also forget about our Tim English and, and Royal Marshall after the season they had last year, but it is interesting. I was listening to you and Stato in your pod last week with the face-offs, and your thoughts around Royal Marshall were quite interesting, and I'm, I'm, I'm big on Marshall as well, but I'm just not sure I can start him at 117. Well, I think the problem in... Uh, classic is there's too much value elsewhere, right? Yeah, like you, yeah. You, you can't not have Grundy really. Yeah, so you're Grundy over Gorn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've actually got them ranked Gorn and Grundy, so I don't know. I've, I haven't. I don't know what the prices are, man. <laughs> I would have thought Gr- Gr- Gorn was way dearer than Grundy. Yeah, so he is, but it's not actually massive. So. Uh, Gorn comes in priced at 92 and then Grundy comes in priced at 75. So absolutely, you would think that Grundy outperforms his starting price more than what Gorn would. Uh, but I think Gorn's probably going to be closer to the top line guys and someone you potentially might not even need to trade out for the year if everything goes well, whereas I think Grundy is going to need to be traded at some point. I don't think he's going to be close enough. Yeah, that's yeah, maybe that's a fair point and I'll have to revisit that. But yeah, I've got Grundy at the minute, but I think they're both... Probably presenting a lot of value for you. Yeah, so I found it interesting when you were when you were battling Stato and he was saying that Tim English was the one that potentially has upside, and and you were trying to say that well, actually Rowan Marshall is the one that has upside because he did what he did in such a low stoppage team, and if that actually manages to flip around and he gets more access to points at the stoppage, then he's going to benefit a lot more than a Tim English where the Bulldogs are essentially they can't really have many more stoppages; they're already at the top of the tree. 
Yeah, and I all I've heard from the preseason is that they're trying to work the ball a bit slower around the ground, the Bulldogs. So they were probably a rare team that had a lot of stoppages and didn't have high meters per disposal. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tim, Ryan Marshall could be the top scorer in the game easily. Have you got him as uh, your number one pick in draft or you're not willing to go there? You're not willing to put your balls on the line? <laughs> yeah, I typically don't draft rocks at number one, so I'll play a straight bat with that. So you're drafting Brayshaw at one then? I would, yes. Not worried? I think about- I would. I don't know. It's a good question, actually, because I did the traders draft kit the other night and I had picked two. So I had all these options on the table. Like Brayshaw didn't go to like pick nine or ten or something and – I went Nick Dacos at two, but I know yeah. those boys all love rucks, so I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck." That ruck run <laughs> come pretty early. Yeah, yeah, they love rucks and they draft backup rucks and all that sort of stuff. I'm just like, ah, I'll just pick up whoever I got late. I think it was Riley O'Brien, who I don't even like, but whatever. He's, yeah, good old. He's a body. Old, you think Thilthorpe's going to come in and take your spot anyway, right? Why'd you do that? Yeah, that's right. Well, I just draft Thilthorpe. Then perfect. <laughs> True handcuff. Handcuff. True. Last yeah. player, what do you think about a, a Tristan Cherry? Do you think he's going to fit well into that North system to be to be value enough? You, well, it's interesting, right? It's interesting. They were because they were they were high stoppage ish. They were mid they were mid to high last year, and I would suspect that that goes trends the other way in a big way. Um, or they certainly were at the end. I think maybe oh maybe they trended down from the year before. So he might he he's probably value right. Oh, he's definitely definitely value on his sixty three average or sixty three price tag. But yeah, I don't think you're can... keeping him though. No, nah, oh, you're definitely not keeping him. It's you'd really want him, especially with the ruck options that we have this year. You'd you'd want him pushing ninety to be a, a pretty good pick. And I'm just I'm just not sure. You look at a Jared Witts who isn't the best ruckman going around, but still a pretty solid soldier and, and has lots of access to points through hitouts. And he only averaged ninety one, so it's actually not that easy to average ninety as a ruckman. Yeah, yeah, and like Wits is a guy I'm completely off this year. And I say that completely off, he's still like R10 or something. But yeah, I mean, maybe you can start Grundy and Grundy and Gorn. That'd be interesting. It's just the buy, right? It's just the buy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, it'll be I'm, at the moment I have Grundy Gorn and I'm I'm pretty keen to start him, but I'm, I'm not sure I can do that if there's no playing R3. It's That'll just be an absolute killer. So if we get someone at R3 who... Who could come on during those rounds and actually put up some decent scores? Then I'm I'm all for it. But yeah, without without that playing R three, it, it makes it challenging. As I'm yeah. sure as I'm sure you're all over being the the classic connoisseur that you are. Oh, I'm just thinking Toby Conway. Just love him. Love those love those rooks, mate. Love- <laughs> My favorite. Yeah. So lastly, let's just touch on the forwards. I think this is probably where you're going to come in, come into your own this year. Like you said, you don't like drafting those those key forwards that just are going to do what they do. So you'll be hunting for value. So who are some of these mid-price forwards that you're, you know, you're going to be looking at for for classic? Okay, I'll give you my forward line at the minute because it's probably be, the least embarrassing. Good. All right, so I've got Harley Reid like everyone will have. Yeah. I've got Caleb Windsor um, from Melbourne. Fuck, that's he'll loose. play on the wing. What? He's like, like a top 10 pick and there's a role for him. He'll, like, play, he'll, on fine. The, he'll play on the wing in over Hunter... Langdon and Billings. Yeah. Those guys are all old and terrible. Caleb Daniel, believe it or not, is in my team at the minute. Caleb Daniel over Jack McRae. You think the role's going to be better there? Uh, I think Jack McRae will be in my team at the end of the end of the preseason. Yeah, you're, no, well, you're like, still pretty big on Jack McRae. You, you yeah, don't understand why he's 
why he's playing the role that he's playing. Well, I think only two things can happen and they're both good for him. Number one, Bulldogs move away from being such a high stoppage team, so there's more outside ball, good for Jack McRae versus Bont and Liber. Or he gets back in the midfield, perfect. I, I can't see him scoring less. I don't understand it. Yeah. He's it was, pretty highly owned though. Yeah, he is. There's definitely safety in numbers this year. But, you know, the as you like to say, the ownership numbers at this time of the year don't really mean much. Nick Dacos is 50, 58% owned, I think, and I'm not sure I've seen one one team with him actually in it at the moment. So <laughs> a lot of a lot of casual coaches that aren't on Twitter just logging in and, and chucking him in there. A lot of group think. Yeah, yeah, I like Daniel. Like all that happens is he goes out there, plays, scores well. He's had Bailey Smith, who does what he does well. He's out for the year. You got Adam Trelaw, who can ping a hand bone at any second. Jack McRae's nicked up, as we know. Not that we're concerned, but I don't know, man. Yeah. Not much has gone away from him. <laughs> yeah, true. And to be honest, that this I think for the first half of last year, he was actually going at about ninety-seven, and he was someone that we're actually looking to. To bring in, so maybe we need to have a bit of a look at what was the reason that he dropped off so significantly in the the back half of the year because he, his average over the last you know six to eight games wasn't fantastic. But yeah, I've, I've always liked Caleb Daniel, even yeah. though even though I think he he scored a twenty for me on field in twenty twenty one when I came second. So if he got if he got more than twenty that game, I would have won. But thanks, Caleb. Yeah, hating hating Caleb. So I got Zach Fisher as you mentioned. Jesus, uh, Jack, Jack Graham. Uh, Nat Fife, Finlay McRae, and Jack Billings. There oh, you go. Aaron Cadman's, Aaron Cadman's on the bench. So you're bigger on a, a Jack Graham than you would be over a Liam Baker. Liam Baker's been pretty a bit of a buzzword this this preseason in terms of more midfield time. It's interesting. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Graham's traditionally been the one who gets a spurt in there. Not that he's always scored very well, but he is super low. Um, he might be a terrible pick. I don't know. He might be the guy who becomes Jack McRae. I'm actually fascinated by Richmond this year in terms of a new coach, but there's going to have to be points points somewhere. Uh, Tim Taranto is going to be good. Hopper will be what Hopper is when he's actually playing. Um, but, yeah, there's got to be points somewhere. So I'm watching Richmond quite closely and to see how they how they play and if they're, they're going to change up the, their game style. What about a, a James Jordan for Sydney? Uh, yeah, he's probably, yeah, I mean, everyone talks about him, so I guess he should be in there at some point. Like I said, man, I'm not doing this stupid. <laughs> not doing it now? <laughs> I'm not onto V10 of my team in the first week of February. <laughs> Come on, mate. Yeah. You're, not a, you're not a classic coach if you haven't had V10 by the same day that the game opens up on yeah, December 16th. I, I don't know about James Jordan, man. Like, there's so much quality in that midfield already. Like, yeah. What's he going to do, really? Yeah, oh, he's it, a smash wing pick. It's like, well, they've got, nah, they've got Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Chad Chad Warner can win the ball on the outside. I mean, I mean, he's probably value, but I don't know. They're the problem with having, like, and I don't know Classic, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. If you have too many value guys, it just seems like some of them are going to fail, some of them will succeed. Then you're going to have other problems elsewhere, and you just get caught in a circle of never fixing up the problems you originally set out to fix. Yeah, look, I, traditionally I've been very big on not actually starting too many mid-prices and then trading into them once they pop just purely for that reason. If you start too many, traditionally not all of them pay off and then you can't really fix them and you get caught in no man's land. But this year is a little bit different because of the lack of forwards. You just We're forced into taking a little bit more of a punt. 
But really, these mid-prices, we do need them to pop ceiling games early to kickstart that cash. A James Jordan, for example, priced at 50. Say he averages 70, 75 for the year and he's gone 20 above his starting price. In, in theory, that seems like a good pick. But if he averages a flat 70, his cash yeah. doesn't really skyrocket too much and he kind of just ticks along and he's not someone you look to trade off because he's not burning you, but he's also not getting you to where you need to go either. So that's the danger with these mid-prices. You really need him to pop early, which is why someone like a Zach Williams is appealing. Yes, he's coming off an ACL, but we know what his ceiling is. And if he comes back and you know he has a 120 game anywhere to start the season, he's going to get a massive rise and that's when it, that's when it starts. Yeah, I mean, I just look at some of these. The guys who I really like to sort of rise from that um, mid-price into the top tier or at least be very close, they've all got the buy. And even like with GWS's schedule at the start of this year, man, if they didn't have the the buy, my whole team would be GWS. <laughs> what, which players? Oh, like Jesse Hogan, Whitfield, absolutely. Tom Green, we probably do love, Jelly. We do love Jesse Hogan. Yeah, hundred percent. He's he's the best. You could uh, you could start Jesse Hogan uh, and then get the the two tons from round one and two when they play North and West Coast. Uh, yeah, North and West Coast, and then jump off. You'd be you'd be someone that would play like that. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably finish like twenty thousand every year. Oh, geez. Nah, Stevie, thanks for thanks for coming on, mate. I really appreciate it. I know it's pretty late back there in Melbourne. Just give the listeners. Uh, actually, no, I'm not even going to get you to to give your details because you hate new listeners. So we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> We're not trying to sell a draft kit or anything. <laughs> I'm not in uh, Melbourne. Actually, that's the offense. That's the offensive thing. Jesus. Oh, sorry, Victoria. Sorry. Victoria. Sorry, no, you are you are trying to sell a draft kit. Where can they find you? The draft kit is unbelievable, by the way. Uh if it's when's this coming out? I should I should ask first. (laughs) (laughs) If this is out tomorrow, we're cooked. (laughs) Nah, not tomorrow. Sometime in the next week or so. Okay. Yeah, go to the draftdoctors.com.au. It'll be there somewhere. It better be out, man. Jeez, we've had so much of this has been the worst preseason. Awesome, mate. Thanks very much. And uh, I look forward to maybe having you on a, a regular show again before we kick off because, uh, yeah, we love we love chatting to you. Oh, thanks for having me, mate. I love, love talking classic. It's always the best. <laughs> All right, mate. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.